Hi there, guys. It's Haley. Thank you for joining me over here for another episode in the Balanced Corner Podcast. So today, what has brought you here? So we are going to talk today about how to pick out your puppy or your new dog and how to navigate through adolescence, and the teenage months, all the way into adulthood and just living your life with now your new companion. So my goal with this podcast and all the content I do create is to help provide clarity and some sort of guidance when owning your dog because I swear there's so much information out there. Who do you believe? What do you listen to? So not saying that you have to listen to me, but hopefully by providing some of the information I do could help you brainstorm and troubleshoot smarter, more efficiently. So First, when we are getting a new dog or a new puppy, we got to think about where are we getting this dog? Where is this dog coming from? Is it coming from a pet store? Is it coming from a hobby breeder, a breeder, a shelter, a rescue, wherever you're getting your dog? You want to think about, is this place legit? Meaning, are they ethical? Are they keeping their dogs and their care, whether it's the actual breeding dogs that they purposely breed, are they well-maintained? Are they well-loved? And yeah, it might seem obvious and like a duh, but you'd be surprised how that's not always the case. So it is just important if you're going with a breeder, if you're going with a rescue, that you understand where these dogs are being taken care of and how they're being taken care of. Because this will give you a better idea if one, you want to support them, but two, if that's going to be the best fit for you and your family. So it's probably no... Um, no surprise that I work with a lot of families and a lot of these families, you know, have kids and busy lives. And it's really important that these families are picking out dogs that fit the best for them. So one, the breed, you know, what kind of breed a dog are they getting? What kind of temperament are they getting? But also how stable are these genetics? So as a puppy, a puppy's a puppy, you know, no matter what these genetics are. But, and yeah, they're going to be crazy. But as they get older, that's where you're really going to see how the genetics are going to play out. Are they going to be stable? Meaning that they are able to recover quickly. They're able to be exposed really well. They pick up on training really well. Or do you have a dog that maybe has some unstable genetics? Meaning they might be super fearful. They might not be able to recover when they're fearful. We got some anxious, you know, anxious tendencies, that kind of stuff is what we're looking at. So you can kind of start and predict what your dog is going to be like in the future based on where you get this dog. So personally, all of my dogs are rescue. So three of them we rescued from a rescue, which is different than a shelter. So a rescue, typically they pull dogs from the shelter and then around here fostering is very popular so they don't have an actual shelter facility they foster out these dogs whereas a shelter is what we think of the pound where you go to a facility the dogs are all in cages and you kind of pick your dog from there so I personally like to 
rescue rather than go to a shelter because the dogs have already been um, sort of proofed or scanned or vetted and they're now going into foster homes that can help you get a better idea where a lot of these dogs that are in rescue and in foster they stay there for at least a couple weeks you know while they're getting vetted getting neutered and spayed and these families that are fostering are able to determine if this dog is going to be a good fit because they've looked with the dog. So if you say you're a family and you got kids, you can go to that rescue, tell them your situation. And because they have families living with these dogs, they're able to give you a better, a better chance, give you a better idea of what dog would be a good fit for you. And again, with most rescues, you would hope that <laughs> they would not give a family with four kids a husky type dog, a Doberman type dog, a dog that is going to require a lot of training, a lot of physical and mental stimulation. However, every dog requires that, but breed does play a role in that. You know, that's kind of where we get into nature versus nurture. Genetics do play a heavy role in the kind of dog you get. However, the way you nurture the dog and the way you train the dog does play a big role, but beside the point. So if you're bringing home a new dog or a new puppy, just think about that. That needs to be on your radar. Where are you getting this puppy? Have you actually, if it's from a breeder, you need to meet the parents face-to-face, the dog parents, obviously. If you do not get to, you need to skip this breeder. Again, this is my personal opinion, but I have found, I know so many clients that they maybe got pictures of the parents, um, but down the line, they learned that um, the parents of their puppy are actually kind of aggressive, and that now explains why their puppy is now aggressive. Um, However, the breeder did not disclose that. So things to think about. Are you getting your dog somewhere that... Um, is ethical and that you want to support because there are even rescues and shelters out there that they're just trying to spin these dogs out you know you go to these adoption events and they're adopting out 20 30 40 dogs every weekend you might want to think about that (laughs) Um, so okay so that's kind of the background and thinking about where's your dog coming from and how to make the best educated decision Okay, so now you brought home your new puppy, you brought home your new dog, now what? You need to immediately get into right to crate training, because think about it, you get that dog, they gotta sleep tonight, where are they sleeping? They need to be in the crate. Crate training is going to be the backbone of all of your potty training, minimizing separation anxiety, minimizing destructive behavior, and just safety, I mean, it just comes down to safety, these dogs, these puppies... They don't, they've never been to your house. They don't know what they're supposed to do, and they're dogs. So if they're anxious, they're wound up, they got energy, they don't know where they are, they're stressed, they express those feelings like a dog, okay? So when you get home, you need to begin your crate training. It's going to be hard. They're going to be whining. They're going to be barking. They're going to be trying to get out of that crate, but you need to stick to it and work through it. And this is where, of course, when you bring home a dog or a puppy, I said this in my last episode, you need to contact a trainer because there are going to be bumps in the road. You know, like I said, it's going to be hard, but you need to start with that crate training. So like I just said, the crate train is going to be the backbone to your potty training. And whether that's a puppy or an adult, you know, some adult dogs, like when we brought home Blake, he was not potty trained. So we had to utilize the crate to teach him, okay, we eat in here. 
then we're going to train or we're going to play. We go out and potty. If you don't potty, you're going to go back in your crate for about 10 minutes. And then we're going to try again. And then we rinse and repeat that. If he goes potty, great, awesome. You get to hang out with us. We get to play more. And then if you drink water, we'll take you back out. And again, rinse and repeat. And something to help you with that crate training, help you with that potty training, is that you need to supervise the water intake. So I've had a lot of people where they're doing all the potty training right. They're doing the crate training. They're doing all of it. But the dog comes in and is drinking the water till it's gone. Um, so something that can help with that is if, you know, maybe like we don't supervise our water bowl, you know, but what we can do if we have dogs here that maybe will just drink and drink and drink and drink, we only put in about half a cup. You know, we only fill the bowl about a quarter of the way. So if they do, at least they're not like, I don't know, gorging themselves on that water. So that will help you a lot with your potty training, whether it's a puppy or an adult, but also while you're doing like the actual potty training, like you're going outside with the dog and you're trying to teach them how to potty on command, you want to keep your dog on the leash. So we actually went through potty training with Radar very recently and he would try to do the, I'm going to play and sniff and all of that. And then, and then he would go potty. But it was really important that he learned that, okay, we're going to come out here. I'm going to stand here, you know, like a post, stand there like a tree. I'll give you a couple minutes. You go potty, then we can play. Then you can run around. But not vice versa, because that's where you'll get dogs that, even with the walk, you know, they'll go for, you know, because you're waiting for that dog to potty. So you're walking, you're walking, you're like, hey, go potty, go potty, go potty. But the dog knows the second they potty, you're turning around going back home. The second they potty, you're bringing them inside. So you need to think about that where you bring the dog out. Nothing. We're not playing. We're not sniffing. You go potty. Then that gives you access to freedom. So that is probably one of the bigger um, struggles I see with owners when they bring home new dogs and puppies is that they're not implementing that structure with the leash, but also just the way that they you know, arrange potty time. So that can give you just some good pointers if you are struggling with that potty training. And then we got to think about just training. How are you going to train this new dog, train this new puppy? Is you need to utilize all of their food, all of their calories. So instead of just, you know, give free feeding one, but instead of just free feeding, or just filling your dog's bowl twice a day, you're going to keep that food for your advantage. You're going to use it to teach all your basic commands and use your all your positive reinforcement in the leash. Because if you're going to try to train your dog, you need some sort of motivation. And what's a good way to motivate your dog is by using food. So you got to make sure you keep that food drive up. And the way you keep that food drive up is that the only way they can earn it is by through you, not just through a bowl on the ground all day. It's always there. Because why would a dog want to work for anything? I mean, same. Why would they want to work for anything if it's always available to them? So think about what, you know, with your potty training, with your crate training, teaching your sit down, place, come, that kind of stuff. Think about how to utilize the food in your everyday life. So your dog's like, whoa. my owner's pretty cool. You know, it's like everywhere, out of nowhere. I mean, especially with this new dog or puppy, you're going to have that food on you all the time. And you're constantly trying to capture good behavior, you know, manipulate their body so you can reward them, all that kind of stuff. So when you first bring home 
And again, even if you've had your dog for years, you can start this stuff at any time. But especially when you first bring home that dog, you need to just start just start showing them what you want from them. Because like I said, even if it's adult and maybe they've lived in a foster home, they have no idea what they're supposed to do. And especially they don't know how to communicate. They don't know that communication system. So you need to start that day one using their food. And I personally, I like to use food in my training for quite a bit. You know, why not reinforce as much as I can? And that's going to be your first step in your training process is a lot of food, a lot of positive reinforcement and the leash. You know, there's no prong collar, there's no e-collar, it's just your leash, maybe a slip lead on your flat buckle or martingale and food and praise and access to sniff. I mean, I really truly believe that the best trainers are the ones that set that, you know, and the best owners set that foundation of the relationship and the structure and how to build up drive, how to build up work drive. So that once you start incorporating, you know, punishment, your prong collar and your e-collar, the dog goes, oh, that's why they taught me sit. That's why they taught me to heal. That's why they taught me to go in my crate. Okay. It all starts to make sense. But if you don't have that first layer, it's not fair. The dog's not going to understand. You can get it done. I will not say that. Like you can still get it done, but I don't find it's the best results. So you want to start with that positive reinforcement foundation, and then you're going to work up from there. So again, you just brought home your new dog, your new puppy, and you need to start exposing them. You need to start letting them explore, taking them to new places, letting them meet new people. But Like I said in my last podcast, we don't let them just go up and say hi to anyone and everything. We still try to keep it relatively controlled. So I will just kind of go back, you know, our newest dog, which was also a puppy, it was Radar, is that I was very careful about making these moments very controlled. So I would only, you know, in the beginning, he was only seeing my family. He was only seeing clients that, you know, respected me, respected my training. And if I asked them, you know, to back off or ignore him or whatever, whatever, they would listen. But then if I asked them, hey, can you give Radar some attention, give him some love so that he can learn how to say hi? (laughs) You know, so you want to create relevancy in you and neutrality to the environment but again balancing it out with letting them use their nose letting them explore let them look at that car let them look at that squirrel so you can start understanding what kind of dog do you have but also I mean it's it sounds so silly but there's so many dogs that I work with that they don't know how to just be a dog. You know, they're always frantically, you know, at the end of the leash trying to sniff, but like they're not really even like sniffing. They're not slowly taking in. So I'm like, there's just stuff like that, that as a trainer, I see very frequently that these dogs that there has been so much focus on, oh, you guys say hi to this person, say hi to this dog, you know, sniff this tree or yada, 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 where the dog is just an overdrive. So trying to keep, you know, these first couple experiences relatively controlled, relatively short, and super positive. So once you find your puppy or your new dog is starting to get a little wild or just tired, and that might be after 10 minutes, those ten little 10 minute sessions are going to go way further than trying to go out. I, again, I see it so many times. So if someone gets a new dog, they bring it to the local brewery, 
<laughs> they're there for five hours. It is so much for that dog. And now that dog hates going out in public, hates people, hates dogs, hates just sitting around because that very first experience. So again, with everything I'm saying, I will always say you need to work with the trainer so they're able to guide you through this stuff. But I'm hoping this podcast can just kind of give you a good idea of where to start or maybe, again, even thinking about if you've had a dog for years thinking about why do they hate people? And because of the, you know, the, um, so the, (laughs) because of the examples I'm bringing up, you're able to identify, oh, shit. I did bring them to the dog park the very first day I got them. That might be why they're dog reactive. Okay, not to say that's for sure, but it's a possibility. So just to give a little recap, we're talking. You bring home that dog, that new new puppy, crate training. We're potty training. We're using all food for our training, just food and leash. We're properly exposing our dog, properly socializing them. And then comes around, your puppy's probably going to be about six months now. Maybe you've had your new dog about six months now. This is where you're going to start balancing out your training with your prong collar or your e-collar or just aversives and punishment in general. This is now where you've taught your dog everything. You've taught them all their basics. Now it is time to hold them accountable. This is what balanced training is about. It is about now being able to utilize all of that work you've put in. I mean, that's probably one of the biggest reasons I got into balance training, but also like advocate for it so much because I have a lot of clients that have done previous board and trains, previous training programs, and they've done so much work. Their dog is really great, but they can't use a lick of the training because the dog He's going, hmm, that food, I don't really care. You know, they they start losing interest in that stuff. They start being more distracted by other dogs. And the food is no longer motivating. So now we balance out our training with a different kind of motivation, which is pressure. Pressure and aversives and punishment and corrections, whatever you want to call it. You start balancing it out where, okay, you know sit. I've taught you sit 3,000 times with food. So now... When we're at the pet store and we're at the cash register and I ask you to sit, you're going to follow through. So that is what dog training is about, (laughs) you know, is training a dog, then being able to actually use it in real life so you can do more with your dog. And that's what it's all about for me is being able to do more with our dogs, actually utilize our training. So that's where you're going to start using your prong collar, using your e-collar, holding your dog accountable. And I would say from my experience, it takes about a year with lived in success for your dog to be fully e-collar trained. So if you did all the training right from the get-go, your dog will be fully trained by a year, a year and a half. Okay, so that's going to get you through your puppyhood, about to your adulthood. And so I have some other things just to kind of touch on to make this experience as good as it can be, to set your dog up for the best success. So something you can start doing when your puppy is young, when your dog is new to the family, is you're going to want to get in touch with your groomer or your vet, your boarding facility, and start, and I would really say mostly your vet, 
is you need to start practicing these happy visits to the vet. So it's not just to go to get shots, just to go to get neutered. I mean, how many of us have heard that story where the dog, the dog is great. He loves the vet. And then he gets neutered. They go back to the vet and the dog is terrified, you know, peeing and pooping on the ground, shaking in its boots. You know, so you want to start taking your dog to the vet for no reason. You're just going to go to the parking lot. You know, some vets are really great where they'll actually let you come in. They'll give your dog some treats. And the dog is not only associating the vet with, you know, the scary stuff. However, I will say like all of my dogs are pretty tolerant with the vet. None of them like love it, but they're able to go in, you know, keep, you know, mind their business, get their business done and then get out of there. So that is something that you can start practicing with your new dog or your puppy. Okay. And then of course you need to contact that trainer and like, I'll leave it at that. (laughs) And if you're bringing home a new puppy, Something that I don't think is really talked about much is that you need to restrict heavy exercise. And that means like running on concrete, frisbee, jumping, heavy hiking. You need to restrict that until they're fully matured. And for most dogs, that's about a year and a half. So you really want to be made because the importance of that is that if you do a lot of heavy exercise when your puppy is young, their joints are still growing, they're still you know, all that kind of stuff, you're going to have a dog that is four years old and is having joint issues. And four years, that's really young. I mean, any dog to have joint issues, but especially at a younger age is a big issue, you know, because now they aren't able to go on hikes. So I know you're so excited. You just got your new puppy. You want to do all the things, but it is so important. You're going to have this dog, hopefully knock on wood, you're going to have this dog your whole life or their whole life, you know, good 15, 15 years. Go slow. You have 15 years, so don't run your dog into the ground when you first bring them home. Again, that's just for puppies. Once they're about over a year and a half or two years old, you can start doing really whatever you want with them. Okay, moving along and something that I think I struggled with for a little bit with my dogs, and I know a lot of people do, is learning how to play with your dog. Again, I know it sounds so silly, but... This all, you know, just comes from personal experience is not knowing how, how does our dog like to play? Like what gets them going, you know, playing like for radar. He loves like wrestling, like getting physical. Nala likes playing fetch. Uh, Blake, he likes tugging and just kind of chewing on his toy. And Claire too. Claire isn't a huge player, but when she does, she likes to play fetch too and tug with her toys. So it's learning how to play with your dog when playing with your dog you're bonding with your dog which is really just it's just a huge aspect of ownership and learning how not take yourself so seriously and letting letting both of you just open up and have fun together in a way it's just it's not so serious but finding different ways to what makes your dog tick and this also helps them just open up and gain confidence and have more confidence even in you as a handler so again I know that seems kind of silly but like the playing with your dog also too learning like how does your dog like to be pet like (laughs) it sounds so silly but like I find some people like maybe their one dog likes the rough you know rub your face rub your ears really you know really rough 
where some dogs they don't like that like some dogs they don't like their butt touched where some dogs love their butt touched so it's like learning like what kind of pets does your dog like and I think this is again I think it's stuff that's maybe just not talked about very often because it seems like duh or silly but I think when we're thinking about dog training we're so focused on the obedience and the leash walking and the recall that we're not thinking about okay but aside from all of that like can you just sit there and do nothing and pet your dog and you both enjoy it you know again this is just it's just kind of things to think about and um, you know, dog training is never over. You know, owning your dog is never over. It's it's a relationship, just like any other relationship you have. So, yeah, I'm just I'm always feel like I'm just kind of like advocating for the dog, like talking for your dog. You know, if this is something maybe you've struggled with with your dog, I hope I can be that person for them. Uh, yeah, something else that I think is also important, whether you have an adult dog or especially a puppy is that they're getting socialized with the right kind of dogs. So not just going to the dog park or to daycare, even like your family or friend's dog. Um, You're looking for dogs that have owners that can control them, that are trained, and they're also well socialized. I think especially for puppies, it's really good for them to get around other, other puppies, but other balanced adult dogs that can play with them but will also let them know when enough is enough in a way that's not overbearing like I said that's where you know kind of takes an eye Um, kind of takes an eye to realize what kind of dog you want to socialize your dog with but I would say for the most part you want to get your new dog your new puppy around really it's really just about the owner the owner is able to control the other dog and is able to call them off if needed you know, and maybe even able to run like some training together and, you know, okay, we're both going to recall and, you know, the adult dog will recall because it's trained and your little puppy then is going to recall. So I think that is something too that is maybe underutilized, but also maybe it's just like the resources. And that is why I try to offer uh, my pack walks, you know, as a space to get around other socialized dogs with low pressure. And I'm there. Hey, a trainer's there. And that's also why recently I've started offering day training, which is it's kind of like a structured daycare for all of my board and train clients to have that um, ongoing, you know, training after the training sort of deal to keep, you know, client dogs socialized, keeping them um, fresh with socialization and you know I'm able to keep an eye if there's anything I think is maybe going under the wayside or things that have kind of gotten loosened up um, I'm able to recognize those things so if you are not local and you're looking for a trainer I think those are things to look for you know especially if like with my board and train it's a pretty penny so I think it is worth it um, to offer other programs after after the program to continue that learning. So just some things to look for when you are, um, yeah, you know, owning a dog or owning a puppy. And then, yeah, the last one, it kind of goes into learning how to play with your dog and how to bond with your dog is, and like petting your dog is teaching them how to take affection. And this is more with dogs that are overly pushy and they jump a lot and they 
don't know how to take affection and because they're jumpy and because they're pushy they're getting less attention and they're getting less pets so then they jump more and then they bark more because they want that attention so from the get-go you know when you bring home that puppy when you bring home that dog is teaching them when I'm petting you no biting no jumping you know just you just lay there you just sit there and that's what gets you pets but again i will say that not every dog likes to be pet so do not sit there and force your dog to be pet <laughs> i think that's that's definitely something that requires a balance so that is all i have to kind of help you navigate from puppyhood to adulthood and i mean even i think this could also pertain to just you know, your training program, like, uh, like I was saying, is that you need to start off with all positive reinforcement using your leash, you know, learning how to use body pressure and social pressure. And then that's what just makes your tools even better. Because like I said, you can still do it. You can still, you know, just start with a prong collar, start with an e-collar, you can, but to make the most of those tools and get the full picture for your dog, because again, we want to be fair to our dogs as giving them the full picture. So you're teaching them, this is what I want. This is what I want. This is what I want. So that, that day that you go, but that's not what I want. They start going, oh yeah, that's why you taught me sit. Because now I corrected you for jumping. Okay. So I hope that kind of gives you a good guideline of where to go with your dog, where to go with your new puppy. So it is Sunday, it's the end of the week, and I just want to kind of talk about what's going on around here, what's, you know, what are we up to? So I just received, <laughs> that's a funny word, um, Bunsen, my newest board and train, just got dropped off today. He is a nine-month-old sheepadoodle. He's here for two weeks, and he's just learning just all the good dog things. So he doesn't have any behavioral issues, nothing like reactivity or major pulling or aggression or resource guarding. He's just, you know, a nine-month-old puppy that pulls on the leash sometimes. You know, he can be a little overbearing with other dogs. You know, he's a little bit of a humper. And just need some guidance on that kind of stuff. And what's cool for me, and I think is probably the best compliment, is that they board and trained their other dog last year, Hetty. She is also a sheep-a-doodle. Yeah, and why I say that's the biggest compliment, you know, for someone to train with me. And then they booked Bunsen the day they brought him home, you know, to book their second dog, you know, for a board and train. That's the best compliment I could ever get. So we're super excited to have him here. And I always post, you know, on my Instagram stories, I post the cute pictures and the socials um, and just kind of like, you know, the flashy stuff that looks good. <laughs> but if you really want to see excuse me, you really want to see like the nitty gritty and the kind of ugly stuff of how we get the pretty stuff that is over on my Patreon. So Patreon is a monthly membership. It's $10 and that's where you're going to see everything. I post on there, you know, it's, you know, I have my waves where, you know, like when I get a board and train super, super heavy on there, you know, I'm showing everything. Um, but what actually how I've been doing my scheduling is that I do board and train. So Bunsen is my last two week board and train ever. Like they booked right when I, uh, 
you know, finished doing two week board and trains. I only do three week now is that I book uh, my month. So for my month, I, you know, train for three weeks and then I have one week off, you know, train for three weeks, have one week off. Um, so those one weeks when I'm off, they're a little bit slower, but I still post stuff about my personal dogs or yada, yada, yada. Cause something I actually got into recently is I have, I signed up for some online courses at Learberg. They call it <laughs> Learberg Online University. And I signed up for the engagement course to do with radar. And then I also signed up for the finishing work course, which is just kind of like how to wean off rewards, um, how to better utilize punishment, yada, 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 you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, but the engagement work I'm really excited about because, you know, I train dogs all day long. <laughs> and kind of the last thing I want to do is work with my own dogs <laughs> on pet training stuff. You know, it's like, uh, it's like, oh, uh, I don't really know what I want to do. So now having some of these engagement courses, engagement games, I now have something, you know, a different outlet for Radar and I. Um, so we've been having a lot of fun with that. And what I think is cool about that is that it, that too, it really goes back to basics. You know, it's just food, relationship, and the leash. You know, it's like it's not, it really shows and makes you work on your handling skills, makes you work on that relationship with your dog. Like, I know I'll be the first one to say it is so easy to get dependent and comfortable with your tools and, um, you know, just knowing that that's your backup and maybe kind of settling on that. So I do try, you know, especially with my adult dogs, I they our whole relationship is very much that positive reinforcement, food, games, that kind of stuff, because I was a purely positive trainer, you know, uh, that's like all I had. Uh, but with Radar, you know, he's definitely had a different upbringing than my other dogs did. So I kind of want to go back to basics with him and just do, you know, our food games, our relationship, our engagement games, like I was saying. <laughs> so I'm really excited about doing that with Radar. Um, and yeah, I don't know if you guys, if you follow me on Instagram or Facebook, you have seen that I am fully booked for boarding trains for all of 2021, which is really kind of crazy. Like I really kind of can't believe it. <laughs> um, I'm so thankful, but something that now because I am booked, I am doing more private lessons, which private lessons aren't my favorite just because <laughs> I think, I mean, I know I'm a control freak, that's why I like boarding trains like I can just do it the first time correctly where with lessons like there's definitely some like troubleshooting and working through mistakes at a much slower pace so I think for me that's more why you know private lessons aren't my favorite and I do definitely like boarding trains better uh, but I also think lessons are great for owners that um, either just they really want to learn how to train um but also just really showing owners like, because I think, you know, with Bunsen even, he literally just got here four hours ago and he did not want to go in the crate. <laughs> he did not want to go in the crate. And this dog, he's like 70 pounds, you know, 70 pounds, a puppy that doesn't want to move. Like, what are you going to do? And we got right to training, right to using the e-collar because he was using his weight, guys. And this dog, he's got to sleep in the crate tonight. So... 
uh, I was able to get right to work with him. And he's already going into the crate right when I ask. So I think for owners, it is cool for them to see right away how this training can be I mean so powerful I mean it's really quite crazy but letting owners have that feeling and see that process however on the flip side owners can love seeing that but then once I leave they're a little insecure you know they're a little nervous they don't want to make mistakes they don't want to ruin the dog I and I totally understand that Um, so that's just kind of like there's just pros and cons to each program um, and it just really, you know, it just kind of depends on what kind of dog owner you are. Like, I think with board and trains originally, it was just like, I got into it for owners that just, they really wanted the trained dog and they could maintain a trained dog, but getting through all the steps and ugh, getting through all that messy stuff, it's hard as a trainer, but it's really, really difficult as an owner that this isn't their full-time job. <laughs> like, you know, it's kind of like me with my own personal dogs. You know, they come home from work and like the last thing they kind of want to do is train their crazy dog. They would rather just cuddle up on the couch with them, you know, which again, I totally get, but that's why I think it's easier for people to just pay me, you know, I'll do the work for you, you know, I'll do all that heavy lifting. And then once the dog comes home, you're able to manage a lot better to where if the dog does mess up or the dog doesn't listen, you're not able to have tools and training to navigate those moments better. So um, that's just kind of something I've thought about as I structure my like training programs, you know, like how do you decide like, what kind of client needs a board and train? What kind of client needs a lesson? Who needs a Skype? Who can come to pack walks, you know? Um, but it turns out, you know, just kind of recently, like my board and train program, it's just, it's just very popular. You know, it's, I mean, kind of for the reasons like I just explained, you know, a lot of the dogs, especially that I have booked for this year, um, they're tough dogs. You know, a lot of these dogs actually have already done lessons with me. You know, they come to my pack walks. Like, I would say, yeah, more than half, like just Bunsen. And then I have two housemates coming next. They're actually littermates too. They're not clients. Well, but see, Bunsen's parents are past clients. Yeah, so I guess actually just one family that I'm working with this year, they're not past clients. Um, and it, yeah, so for the board and trains of people that are clients, they're just people that have, they've really been trying, you know, we've done lessons, they've come to pack walks, they've been trying to put that work in back home, but for whatever reason, it's just not sticking or there's just gaps or whatever the reason is. Um, so they're coming for board and train, <clears throat> you know, they're coming to get that full rewiring, you know, the trainers touch, whatever you want to call it. Um, so yeah, it's not, yeah, yeah. So I'm like, this is kind of the way my prayer, my programs have evolved over the years. And I imagine they'll keep evolving, you know, just like this year I added in the day training. Cause I'm like, you know, this year, especially I'm like quality over quantity, you know, last year I brought in a lot of new clients, you know, from pack walks, um, you know, clients just interested in boarding trains, you know, whatever the reason is. And that now, like I, I'm pretty much closed off to new clients unless they want to do Skypes um, or come to Pack Walk or whatever. But it's like right now, 
I'm at full capacity for one, you know, I'm just one little lady, you know, one lady running this, you know, dog training business um, that I really just want to focus on. Because that too, it's like with people that have done board and trains with me or have done lessons, I want them to be able to get that continued support where if they want to do, you know, more lessons, they can, you know, they want to do boarding with me, you know, I would and this, I mean, might be unpopular or whatever, but it's like, I would much rather board or do lessons or have at pack walk, you know, past clients that have worked with me. I would much rather have them get that support from me than just continuing to take in new clients and new clients and new clients and new clients. It's like, but what about your other clients that still need your support, you know? And again, that's just kind of how I personally feel. And this is just stuff I've learned about myself um, but also the dogs, you know, and I think too, it's just kind of like, yeah, they do like with my board and train clients. Yeah, they're with me for three weeks and they get really, you know, their lives change. But like there's so much more work to be done, you know, once the dog goes home. But just to keep it, you know, I'm just thinking mostly about dogs that, you know, they came to me, dog aggressive, dog reactive, whatever. They come to me, they meet my dogs, they start going to group class, they start opening up. And I mean, like the two off my head, I can think of Caspian, the Aussie, one of my Aussie guys, and then another dog, Specs. He's a cattle dog. And they both struggled with, you know, meeting new dogs and being around dogs. And, um, you know, Specs. He had to be muzzled, and he still sometimes has to be muzzled, but I mean, for, I think the big reason he still wears it is just for comfortability, you know, you just never know, but they're both now, oh my god, I'm just so proud of them, like, they are just so social, they take to new dogs so easily, like, they're not defensive, they're not insecure, so it's like, I would rather continue to help them than to half-ass help them, and then half-ass help someone else. You know, it's like I'd rather just like full ass <laughs> help, you know, a Caspian and a, and a Specs than to not, you know. So those are just kind of things like I think about as a dog trainer, like what, like why am I doing this? Like what is my goal? And my goal is just to help, you know, as many owners as I can, help as many dogs as I can for as long as I can. Like I just want to be that lifetime support for my clients, um, so yeah, I'm like, that's kind of all I really have going on here though. And just kind of things I've been thinking about. Um, so yeah, I talked about Bunsen just got dropped off. He'll be here for two weeks. So if you want to see any updates on him, you know, feel free to go over to my Instagram, go over to my Patreon, you know, maybe just try it out. Just try it out. It's 10 bucks a month. You know, that maybe means, you know, two Starbucks you got to hold off on, but I promise it is worth it. Like I post a lot, like I post long, like 15, 20 minute 20, 20 minute training videos on there. I mean, they're super helpful if you're, you know, like you maybe have some really good training on your dog, but you're just stuck and you're just stuck somewhere. I'm sure you could watch a couple of my videos and it could just, it'll help and even give you some confidence if you're feeling a little insecure about your training. Um, yeah, I just want to, you know, I just want to be that person where you don't feel like mistakes are bad. We love mistakes. We love messing up. And we love getting back up and trying again. <laughs> so guys, that is it for today.
I hope you enjoyed this episode. You know, it's a little bit different. You know, I just kind of wanted to go through a very basic, you know, ground up about bringing home a new dog up to fully trained. Of course, like I covered the <laughs> the bare minimum. I could go a little more in detail if you wanted. Um, and then just a little recap of what's going on here and what's going on in this little noggin. So I hope you enjoyed. I hope you guys have an amazing week. Hope you get out there, even though the weather is terrible. Keep your head up, bundle up, and go have fun with your dog. Seriously, don't take yourself so seriously. It is just dog training. It's just dogs. Like, it's not that serious. Okay, guys, I hope you have an excellent night. And I'll talk to you guys next episode.